Chapter Eight, Part Two of Lady Molly of Scotland Yard by Baroness Orsi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Bag of Sand, Part Two. On the following New Year's Eve, Mrs. Dunstan, as was her invariable custom on that day, went to her married brother's house to dine and see the New Year in. During her absence, the usual thing occurred at Eaton Terrace. Miss Violet Frostwick took the opportunity of inviting Mr. David Athol to spend the evening with her. Mrs. Dunstan's servants, mind you, all knew of the engagement between the young people, and with the characteristic sentimentality of their class, connived at these secret meetings, and helped to hoodwink the irascible old aunt. Mr. Athol was a good-looking young man, whose chief demerit lay in his total lack of money or prospects. Also, he was by way of being an actor, another deadly sin in the eyes of the puritanically-minded old lady. Already, on more than one occasion, there had been vigorous wordy wordfare twixt Mr. Athol and Mrs. Dunstan, and the latter had declared that if Violet chose to take up with this Montebank, she should never see a penny of her aunt's money, now or in the future. The young man did not come very often to Eaton Terrace, but on this festive New Year's Eve, when Mrs. Dunstan was not expected to be home until long after midnight, it seemed too splendid an opportunity for an ardent lover to miss. As ill luck would have it, Mrs. Dunstan had not felt very well after her copious dinner, and her brother, Mr. Nicholas Jones, escorted her home soon after ten o'clock. Jane, the parlour-maid, who opened the front door, was, in her own graphic language, knocked all of a heap when she saw her mistress, knowing full well that Mr. Athol was still in the dining-room with Miss Violet, and that Miss Cruikshank was at that very moment busy getting him a whisky and soda. Meanwhile, the coat and hat in the hall had revealed the young man's presence in the house. For a moment Mrs. Dunstan paused, whilst Jane stood trembling with fright. Then the old lady turned to Mr. Nicholas Jones, who was still standing on the doorstep, and said quietly, "'Will you telephone over to Mr. Blenkinsop, Nick, the first thing in the morning, and tell him I'll be at his office by ten o'clock?' Mr. Blenkinsop was Mrs. Dunstan's solicitor, and, as Jane explained to the cook later on, what could such an appointment mean but a determination to cut Miss Violet out of the missus's will with the proverbial shilling? After this Mrs. Dunstan took leave of her brother and went straight into the dining-room. According to the subsequent testimony of all three servants, the mistress went on dreadful. Words were not easily distinguishable from behind the closed door, but it seems that, immediately she entered, Mrs. Dunstan's voice was raised as if in terrible anger, and a few moments later Miss Violet fled crying from the dining-room, and ran quickly upstairs. Whilst the door was thus momentarily opened and shut, the voice of the old lady was heard saying, in majestic wrath, "'That's what you have done. Get out of this house. As for her, she'll never see a penny of my money, and she may starve for aught I care.' The quarrel seems to have continued for a short while after that, the servants being too deeply awed by those last vindictive words which they had heard to take much note of what went on subsequently. Mrs. Dunstan and Mr. Athol were closeted together for some time, but apparently the old lady's wrath did not subside, for when she marched up to bed an hour later she was heard to say, "'Out of this house she shall go, and the first thing in the morning, too. I'll have no goings-on with a Montebank like you.' Miss Cruikshank was terribly upset. "'It is a frightful blow for Miss Violet,' she said to Cook. "'But perhaps Mrs. Dunstan will feel more forgiving in the morning.' I'll take her up a glass of champagne now. She is very fond of that, and it will help her to get to sleep. Miss Cruikshank went up with the champagne, and told Cook to see Mr. Athol out of the house, 
But the young man, who seemed very anxious and agitated, would not go away immediately. He stayed in the dining-room, smoking, for a while, and when the two younger servants went up to bed, he asked Cook to let him remain until he had seen Miss Violet once more, for he was sure she would come down again. He had asked Miss Cruikshank to beg her to do so. Mrs. Kennett, the cook, was a kind-hearted old woman. She had taken the young people under her special protection, and felt very vexed that the course of true love should not be allowed to run quite smoothly. So she told Mr. Athol to make himself happy and comfortable in the dining-room, and she would sit up by the fire in the library until he was ready to go. The good soul thereupon made up a fire in the library, drew up a chair in front of it, and went fast to sleep. Suddenly something awoke her. She sat up and looked round in that dazed manner peculiar to people just aroused from deep sleep. She looked at the clock. It was past three. Surely, she thought, it must have been Mr. Athol calling to her, which had caused her to wake. She went into the hall, where the gas had not yet been turned off, and there she saw Miss Violet, fully dressed and wearing a hat and coat, in the very act of going out at the front door. In the cook's own words, before she could ask a question, or even utter a sound, the young girl had opened the front door, which was still on the latch, and then banged it to again, she herself having disappeared into the darkness of the street beyond. Mrs. Kennett ran to the door and out into the street as fast as her old legs would let her, but the night was an exceptionally foggy one. Violet, no doubt, had walked rapidly away, and there came no answer to Mrs. Kennett's repeated calls. Thoroughly upset, and not knowing what to do, the good woman went back into the house. Mr. Athol had evidently left, for there was no sign of him in the dining-room or elsewhere. She then went upstairs and knocked at Mrs. Dunstan's door. To her astonishment, the gas was still burning in her mistress's room, as she could see a thin ray of light filtering through the keyhole. At her first knock there came a quick, impatient answer. "'What is it?' "'Miss Violet, mm, said the cook, who was too agitated to speak very coherently. "'She's gone!' "'The best thing she could do,' came promptly from the other side of the door. "'You go to bed, Mrs. Kennett, and don't worry.' Whereupon the gas was suddenly turned off inside the room, and, in spite of Mrs. Kennett's further feeble protest, no other word issued from the room save another impatient, "'Go to bed!' The cook then did as she was bid, but before going to bed she made the round of the house, turned off all the gas, and finally bolted the front door. End of Part 2 of The Bag of Sand